Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 78, and tonight, for the first time in a long time, the nightmare closet creaks open again, unleashing trauma from my childhood. And this time, it's spitting out a 1981 sci-fi kind of sort of not really thriller called Without Warning. I also have an extremely special guest who's here to talk with me about it, but that's going to be a mystery for now. Oh my gosh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Is it me? No, it's not you. It's somebody else, but we'll get to that later. After this. These Lonely Places from author R.K. Combrink is a collection of short stories to make you dread the empty house across the street, to make you wonder what lurks in the woods behind the park, and question the smile of your kind elderly neighbor. Suburban horror at its best, These Lonely Places turns your neighborhood into a playground for all kinds of monsters and murderers, and makes your workplace into a haunted house where ghosts and demons watch your every move. The urban legends are true. That noise downstairs is something to worry about. That abandoned house is not empty. Available in print and for Kindle at Amazon.com. Search RK Combrink or These Lonely Places or go to Amazon.com slash author slash RK Combrink. K-O-M-B-R-I-N-C-K. Hey, kitties. How you doing? Welcome back for another episode. As always, I am delighted to have you here with me, sitting out there in the dark, doing whatever it is you're doing alone in the dark. You know what? On second thought, stop doing that. Stop doing that anyway. That's just, ooh, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> I'm way off the point. Let's talk about what's been going on at Screen Queen's headquarters as of late. Oh my gosh, so many funny stories to tell. I don't think I can get them all into one episode. But I'll see what I can do. First of all, in the last episode, I was talking about that audiobook class that I took, and I was talking about Tybor, my classmate, the guy who wouldn't shut up, the question guy. And I made a reference to him being the interrupting cow from the knock-knock joke. Now, of course, the illustrious Mr. Brad had no idea what I was talking about. What? An interrupting cow? What? So I had to tell him the joke. Which, I guess, is not as popular as I thought it was, despite the fact that they referenced it on the last episode of Bob Burgers. But here, in a nutshell, is the joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow? Moo! It doesn't work, because the interrupting cow interrupts, and then the interrupting chicken is the part of the knock-knock joke, and then the cow interrupts the chicken. Forget it, I can't do it by myself. I tried, and I strained something, but then Bradford says, you know what? I never really understood knock-knock jokes. So I told him another knock-knock joke. I don't even remember what it was. But Bradford all of a sudden like had this life, you know, this, this, I don't know, this epiphany of knock-knock jokes. And all of a sudden he got them and he just started telling them to himself 
over and over. Now he's laying on the bed and he's cracking himself up so hard that he is not intelligible anymore. He's like, no, no, and he's rolling back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And this went on for literally five minutes. And I just stood back and got very afraid. And the thing was, I was getting very afraid. I'm like, he's going to have a heart attack or shit the bed or something. So I just, once I just said, Bradford, he's like, no, no, stop, dude. I'm going to pee. I'm going to pee. Knock, knock. Who's there? I'm going to pee. <laughs> it was terrifying. And I wish you were all were there because I can't do it justice by myself. Now, as many of you know, I've been feeling funky for a while, kind of depressed and not so great. Um, and I found in my years of wisdom that when I get that way, sometimes the best thing to do is to give back, to do a little volunteering, which I did. Now, as you know, I sing with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, and they were putting together a really teeny tiny small group of guys to go in and sing a bit uh, at a women's AIDS clinic in Brooklyn. And because they were con we were contacted by the head of their department, and she says, "Yeah, we've got this music program, and it's kind of sad. I mean, it's this tiny little room, and these women bringing music that's important to them, and on on CD, and we just sit around and play the CD. And I thought it might be interesting to bridge the gap between a couple of communities. Maybe you guys can come in and sing something, which we did." And it was great, it was powerful, it was moving. It was the perfect thing for me to do. I came out walking on sunshine world. I was walking on sunshine until I got on the subway. And I said, this was in Brooklyn. I have trouble in Brooklyn. Anytime I go to Brooklyn, it's raining and I get lost. But still, not the point right now. I got lost going, but I'm not, I've already had the thing. So I've already done the event. So I'm walking on sunshine and I got on the subway and it turned out it was wicked crowded. It's rush hour now. And I'd gotten a stop ahead. And now we're in like the snitzy section of Brooklyn. This is like where all the hipsters are and like the yuppie moms and stuff. And we got to the stop. The doors open. Some guy wanted to get off. And it was you know, difficult because it was crowded. So he's maneuvering. And I was standing in the door area, you know, off to the side because that's all the space there was. So I took a sidestep to let him off. But I took a sidestep. Well, there was nowhere for me to go, you know, because I had the railing. So I took a step deeper into the door area. And just as soon as I did that, I heard this little teeny tiny voice behind me from somebody getting on because I had my back to the door. This little teeny tiny voice that sounded like it was saying... You know, the tone of the voice said, oh, gosh, you know, I would never really say anything about this kind of situation because I don't say shit, even if I have a mouthful. But I just really, really, really need to get this off my chest. Passive aggressive bullshit. When you know this was totally a lie that she does this maneuver all the time. That this is how I don't start arguments because I say it in this tiny little voice. But as I said, I stepped aside to let the guy off. And this little voice behind me goes, do you really have to stand directly in the door? Now, you have to feel the purple starting to rise up from my chest up through my head. The purple of fury. I was in such a mellow mood and it took just a couple of words to put me back over the edge. And I quelled my urge to turn around and go, shut the fuck up, you fucking bitch. But no, I just turn around 
and look this richy bitchy, oh gosh golly gee, I'm so nice passive aggressive bitch in the face. And I said, you know, a simple excuse me would have sufficed. And she's like, oh, well, well, I couldn't get on the train. And you were, you were, you know, blocking the way. And now, now I'm angry. I said, the motto is step aside and let them off. When people are trying to get off the train, you let them before you go pushing on. It's more important for them to get off than for you to get on. And now I'm standing in the door and blocking her way, but talking very calmly. And she's trying to push by. And I'm like, excuse me, people are still trying to get off. Why do you have to push on the train when the rule is to let them off the train first? And basically, I wouldn't let her on. And that didn't make me feel good. I just come from this lovely evening. I mean, this lovely afternoon of helping these, these women and then this other rich bitch woman ruined my whole thing and making her pay did not make me feel good. So, you know, revenge, not always the best thing. But again, I'm just happy I stood up for myself because I'm sorry. If she had just gone, would you fucking move? I would have responded and not thought a thing about it because let's face it, it's New York. Have I talked enough about this? Yes, I have. But actually, wait, no, I forgot the most important part because I got home and I'm trying to explain what happened to Bradford. And I'm telling about how this woman came up behind me and she accused me of blocking the door. And I realized what I should have said, what I should have said, I should have turned around and said, yes, I do have to stand in the door. I do have to stand in the door because I'm Ashley Kachadarian. I'm not in charge of snacks. I'm in charge of the door and my father doesn't have mono. If I'm not standing here watching the door, anybody can get on this train. Fucking Rachel Tice could get on this train. And then where the fuck would we be? Who the fuck are you? Now, if you were watching the most popular girls in school on YouTube, then you would know what I'm talking about. And if you're not watching it, Shame on you, because it's awesome. And season two just premiered this week, the first episode of season two, and it was great. And oh, what a mystery it was with a shocking conclusion. So what are you waiting for? Go watch it. No, don't go watch it now. Finish this show, then go watch it. God, take you're going to lose your card of awesomeness. So once again, I have to apologize. You know that show that I worked on, Zero Hour, that I've been running the contest to spot me? It's been canceled after three episodes. So for those of you who've been playing along, I, I deeply, deeply apologize. But, you know, that's just the way it is. But we got to move on and move forward because I just shot an episode of The Americans on FX. So the contest still stands. It's going to be probably about five weeks before it airs. But if you can spot me in an episode of The Americans and tell me what I'm wearing, you win a super-duper swag bag full of all sorts of gifts and goodies, yo. What? What? Oh, my God. And hey, at least now we know it's a good show, okay? And by the way, it was really awkward after the last episode to be working directly with Carrie Russell because I had made so much fun of that thing on her lip, which actually you couldn't see at all in person. But, you know, it was in the movie theater, so it was 30 feet high. I don't feel bad about talking about it because there are whole pages on the internet devoted to that thing on her lip. And I learned something from that is that the internet is a cold and cruel place. This really, that's just mean. Yet I fully support Sarah Jessica Parker looks like a horse.com. That's not the point right now. The point is that I spent the day shooting in Brooklyn. And like I said before, it was rainy and I got lost. And it wasn't just rainy, it was fucking pouring. 
But I was smart. I brought an umbrella. But you see, there was this girl there, one of the other background people, and she was awful. From the second I laid eyes on her, I could not stand her. First of all, she was one of these people who complained all day. You're, when you do this kind of work, you're locked in a room with people for you know, 8 to 12 hours, and to have someone who just complains constantly about everything is bad enough. But to make it worse, she was chewing gum. But she wasn't just chewing. She was Six. popping. I know, somebody cue the cell block tango right about now, because it was just like that. If you pop that gun one more time, however that thing goes, but you know what I'm talking about, and if you don't, you're, you're probably heterosexual, but yeah, so she audibly all day long. As far as I could see, she never changed the piece of gum. Even when we were rolling. And you have to be quiet. And those mics pick up everything. If you are wise, you'll listen to me. Gum chewing's time when it's once in a while It stops you from smoking and brightens your smile But it's repulsive, revolting and wrong Chewing and chewing all day long The way that a cow does I was going to kick her in the face but then, what was worse, at the end of the day, she stole my umbrella. Dun, dun, dun. You see, when they drove us over to set, we were being held in one bar, and then we were shooting in a bar across the street. So until they were ready, we had to wait in this initial bar. I think it was called Mugs. Ugh. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, when it was time to go to set, we had to cross the street. And it was raining, pouring. And she was complaining that she didn't have an umbrella. Oh my God, my hair is gonna be fucking ruined. Oh my God, I can't believe I have an umbrella. Oh, you know, they should have just dropped the stuff over here. I'm just, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. So then when we were wrapped, I'm looking all over for my umbrella because, you know, you can't keep it on you on set because it might get on camera. So you have to keep it in this other room. And I went in the other room and I found my stuff that I left there, but not my umbrella. And I'm looking all over. I'm like, did it get moved? Because that happens sometimes. And just then I look up and I see her walk past the window with an umbrella. And I know damn well she did not have one when she walked over. And I'm like, you bitch. And so I just gave up on the umbrella because the van was leaving to take us back to holding to get signed out. And... When we got to the church where we were being held, she was struggling to get the umbrella closed. And I'm like, son of a bitch, that's mine because my umbrella was broken. It doesn't stay closed unless you, you know, do the Velcro thing around it. You know, the, the little catches. I'm like, you fucking bitch. And the moral of the story is I didn't do anything. So I just steamed and went home wet. Which is not the first time I went home wet. But not in this particular way. I don't know. I got nothing.
So the Jekyll and Hyde Club is starting to fill up. You know, that's where I work. It's the social club for explorers with the whole spooky theme that's in Times Square. And, you know, still no liquor license, though. I, it's, they're killing me. They say by Easter. Yeah, well, you know, that'll be two miracles. Oh, shit. Yes, I did. But lots of funny things happen while I'm there, and I thought I'd share one of them with uh, several of them with you because they, they just happen. Now I, I'm I'm often just roaming the floor in my little character, and you know you're supposed to just go up and talk to people and give them this improv experience. You know, like I can't really plan anything. Whatever happens, happens, and um, you know help them get the full you know creepy and comic experience. Now, this one particular day, there was really nobody in the door. There was really nobody in the joint. And I spot this table of two clearly tourist people. They, they look like people from Kmart, you know, of the People of Kmart website. And oddly identical. They were both kind of the same height. Both had long, stringy, kind of gross blonde hair. And both were very, very round, pasty, ruddy-faced people in, you know, black rock and roll shirts. And I, I'm like, okay, but, you know, they, you know, they... There were two women, you know, these two women. And I'm like, okay, two larger rock and roll women from the Midwest. That's cool. So I go up and start talking to them. I'm like, hey, ladies, what's going on? Hey, gorgeous, because that's kind of my thing. You know, if there's ladies involved, you know, I'm, you know, playing the ladies. Hey, ladies, how's it going? Hubba hubba. And I'm talking to them for a good two or three minutes. And at some point during the conversation, it dawned on me with slowly rising horror that one of them... Not a woman. No, 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 no. And I don't mean one was a drag queen or a transgendered person. No. One was a man who just really looked like the woman that he was with. Well, you know, they were both round and dumpy and pasty and ruddy and wearing the same outfit and had the same hair. What the hell was I supposed to think? They both looked like women. And evidently, they complained. Not just because of me, but that was the third time that happened to them that day in the club. So, you know, there was that. And I'm going, it's not even noon. It's not even noon. I just completely mistook somebody's gender and traumatized them, possibly for life. And it's not even noon. Well done, Patrick. Well done. So one of the things I love about working at the club is just the other performers that I get to work with. There's great energies and fun people. And there's this guy, Alex. And I wish they'd let Alex in the club. They make him run the door. Uh, there's a, like I said, there's a secret door to get in where you need the password. So they have him as a doorman and ultimately the guy on the phone in the phone booth. You know what? It's a whole speakeasy thing. You don't understand it until you go. But he cracks me up. I mean, he looks stunning in his outfit. Just he's got these blue piercing eyes that are both sexy and scary at the same time. So it's great for the front door. But I digress because there's something about him. I don't know what kind of disease he has, but... At least once a week, he is convinced that Selena Gomez has come into the club. And he'll run around telling everybody, oh my God, oh my God, I swear to God, I swear to God, I just let Selena Gomez into the club. She's in the elevator right now. Because there's a little surprise in the elevator, a little surprise show that happens in the elevator after you go through the phone booth. Spoiler. And it's never Selena Gomez. It's just some pretty Hispanic girl who's dressed nicely. And... The thing is, it's like the boy cry wolf because everybody does, for some reason, get all excited. I don't know why. We all believe him. No, he's like, this time for real, it's Selena Gomez. Here's the thing. She was there once. 
Not this location, but she's been to the Uptown location several times. So it is entirely possible that Selena Gomez might step in at any moment. And the thing is, everybody believes him every time. And someday, Selena Gomez is going to come in. And we'll all be like, you're not Selena Gomez. And she'll get mad and she'll never come back. And then we'll never have somebody in the club who felt up Justin Bieber. Uh, ew, what's the matter with me? The other fun thing that comes with working at the club is, is the sway that you can cast over people. You can, you can get people to do a lot of things. Particularly if you're working one of the puppets. Like, for instance, when you're working Zeus, you can make people do anything. John Harlicker, the guy who designs the, uh, the Nightmare Haunted Houses that I've talked about several times on here, he's working there. He's on the puppets quite a bit, and he's a genius at them. And he can get people you know, to do push-ups and you know, sexy dances and all kinds of embarrassing things, and they do it with no hesitation, and there's no booze either. So this is funny kind of power that you have of getting people to do things while you're there. And that happened to me. There was this table of uh, high school seniors from Indianapolis on a senior trip. And they were a lot of fun. Actually, there were two tables. One was awful, and the other one was great. So I'm dealing with the great table. I'm playing with both of them because it's, it's fun to tell the awful table that you're awful and that, you know, they're all retarded and, you know, should be wearing their helmets because it's dangerous than to take, you know, their forks and put corks on the spiky parts just so they don't stab themselves with it. But you know what? That's not the point right now because this guy, he asked me for an autograph. And I said, no, we're really not supposed to do that. I don't know why we're not supposed to do that. He said, please. And I said, no, I can't. I said, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Come on, I'll do anything. I said, hmm. Anything? Yeah, yeah, I'll do anything. How about a slow dance? And he said, okay. So there I was. Slow dancing with a handsome high school senior. In the middle of the Jacqueline Hyde Club. I felt like Carrie at the prom with Tommy White. He got his autograph and nobody dumped a bucket of blood on me. And I never thought this kid would do it. And for that, Seth, high school senior from Indianapolis, Indiana, you are the Scream Queen of the Week. Bravo, bravo, bravo to you, bravo. You won the title, but no tiara for you. Because listen, kid, you got your slow dance. You got to feel me up. You got to press your body up against my supple body. That's all the prize you get. Tiara, mine, forever. He didn't know this was a gay-oriented show because I told him to listen. I told him he was going to win a special prize. He's probably like, oh, my God, I'm going to get made fun of for the rest of my life. <laughs> You're welcome, Seth. You're welcome. So what have I seen that's not worth talking about in full length? Well, I saw The Last Exorcism 2. What a disappointment. First of all, it was a movie that didn't need a sequel. I enjoyed the first one. I know a lot of people don't. I got a real kick out of it, as did Mr. Bradford. 
And this is just so boring. The thing is that's really disappointing is that Ashley Bell, you know, who plays um, Nell, the girl who's possessed from the first one, she's brilliant in this. And this is a tour de force for her because it focuses on her. She is the main character now. And it's not a found footage thing anymore. And it's her in like a halfway house getting rehabilitated to get adjusted to normal life and become a normal teenager. And that part I loved because I'm like, she's so good and she's so sweet and so vulnerable. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. And during this, you see that the cult is still after her. These other teenagers from the cult, people are following her around New Orleans. And this is actually quite eerie. A lot of it is very, very effective, but then it hits the second half and it just dies. You keep waiting for it to pick up and it just doesn't. It throws in some interesting elements like, yeah, there is another exorcism, but this time it's a voodoo exorcism. I said, okay, this might be interesting. It was maybe about two minutes. And then the voodoo exorcist just bailed and then it just ended and it was really, really disappointing and boo. Boo. If you're going to make a sequel to a movie that didn't need a sequel, make it a freaking kick-ass sequel. God damn it. God damn it. And that's all I got to say. I'm going to say it one more time. God damn it. It is time to get this show started. So we are going to play a little music. We're going to start the show proper. And we're going to bring on our mystery guest. Are you tingling? Well, if you are, you probably should take a Valtrex because it's the first start of a herpes outbreak. Oh, yeah. I went there. And gross. Frankenstein was wondering if he should go to bed When his old buddy Leatherface put on Donna
Oh my goodness gracious, it has certainly been a long time since I've heard that particular sounder. Yes, kids, it's the return of the Nightmare Closet. Whoa, whoa. Now, those of you who've been listening for a while know that the Nightmare Closet is when I go back in time and revisit a movie from my childhood that either scared the shit out of me, gave me nightmares, put me in therapy for life, or had in some way left an indelible impression good or bad, upon me. This is going to be a movie that I have not seen since I was a kid, and now I get to go back and revisit it as an adult. Uh, This week we're going to take a look at a 1981 movie starring Jack Palance and Martin Landau called Without Warning. Let's take a listen to the trailer. The hunting season has begun. But the hunter isn't human. Only the prey are. It came without warning, like nothing on this earth. Our friends are dead. Beyond any known terror. Tell that horrible creature. Come on, come on. They're escaping me. Because when it leaves this planet, no one may be left alive. Look, I'm warning. When they start eating on you, don't come to me for help. Give the spot. He wants to get himself a few trophies. You know what? Right now, you and me, we are the prize game. The hunter. The hunted. That was no trick. The thing that preys on human fear and feeds on human flesh. From deepest space it came. And now, man is the endangered species. It came without warning. And now it's coming for you. So, the main feature this week is a sci-fi... Well, I was going to say classic, but that's probably not the right word. A sci-fi film from the 1980s called Without Warning. And the reason I know it is because uh, back in the early days of HBO, it was on every day, three times a day, for about eight months at a time. And being a 10-year-old kid, I watched it every time. So this is the first time I've watched it in a really, really long time. And I realized that my memories of it might be a bit hazy, so I wanted to watch it again with somebody who was coming to it fresh, with a new perspective, and with a really hot ass. So who else would I call? Well, he's standing right over there. The one, the only, the inimitable, yeti-loving motherfucker himself, Mr. Kelly Combrink. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Yo, what up? Nothing, man. I'm, I'm, I'm all up in your business is what's up. That's cool, man. I, I got my hot pants on. I'm going to shake this woody all over the place. A woody? Uh, yeah, I'm a woody, man. Is that well, like wo- Wookiee booty? It's, a, it's technically a white girl with a booty. Oh, okay. Google, okay. Google it. Okay. It's out there. I kind of like Wookiee booty better myself. Yeah, that, that fits me more. It does. It does. And it goes with your whole, you know, Bigfoot persona as well. Absolutely. 
Okay. So who the hell are you, Kelly Combrick, and why are you on my show? Um, I'm a vagrant, and I stumbled in uh, looking for loose change and um, murder. Now, uh, I'm from Night of Living Podcast, as, as uh, some of your listeners may or may not know. Um, and, uh, and I'm Kelly. And, um, you know, I write a little bit. I sing a little bit. Uh, I awesome a little bit. Are you awesome a lot of bit? Yeah, I well, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be humble. Fuck that. This is yeah. no place for humility. I would right. not ask you on if you were, you know, not awesome. All right. Well, let me put it this way. You know, God. Yeah. He works for me. Oh, okay. What? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's nice. Is he interning? Uh, yeah. It's definitely. Uh, he's. It's a no pay. But if he does well next summer. We might give him like a, a little bit a, a stipend or something. Yeah, I heard you know he'd be difficult. You know he gets up put on suspension a lot. You know he doesn't. You know, never mind. This is this is terrible. This is terrible during the Lenten season. I guess. I guess it is. You're horrible, Kelly. You're I, horrible. I gave up religion for Lent. Okay, good. Well, we gave up a pope for Lent until like twenty minutes ago. Right. I heard. Yeah, I was kind of pissed. I thought my cat might be elected pope. Well, you know, it's uh, as you kind of hear as she. I just uh, well, no, he my cat fits the criteria because Sebastian is male, and technically he's Catholic. Cat. Oh, Zawo! <laughs> no, that did not deserve a Zawo. It did. That was a that. <laughs> if anything deserves a Zawo, that was it. I think a cat would make a great pope. He's got attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss my ring while I lick my own butt. Sassy. I'm going to infallibly lick my own butt. We need a sassy pope. We do need a sassy pope. They have a sassy outfit, for God's sake, and a right. sassy pope mobile. Rings. I'm telling you, you, get glitter blowing around in that thing? I don't know. I don't know how we haven't had a sassy pope yet. I don't know. Pope Sassy the First. <laughs> pope Sassimus. I'm down. I would become Catholic for that. Okay. We would gladly welcome you with open something. Yeah. Thighs, maybe. Ah. Hey. Okay, so we have a movie. Are we doing a show? I don't know. Are we? Are we even recording? What's happening? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's happening either. What's what's going on? Yeah. So okay. So without warning. Now, as I said in the intro, this was on all the time when I was a kid, and when I was ten, it was the best movie ever. Yeah, I can see that. And. So in my mind, I remembered the best movie ever. And it turns out I remembered the cool parts, multiplied the cool factor by about 800, and then forgot the other 75% of the movie. Yeah, it's funny you say that because as I was watching, I thought eight-year-old Kelly would love the shit out of this. Yeah. Adult Kelly was just sad for Jack Palance and Martin Landau. Well, that's the thing I think is really funny about this movie is that, you know, it's made in 1981. And as you said, it stars Jack Palance. It stars Martin Landau. You pointed out to me in, 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 a, in, a, in a, over Facebook, you're like, yo, that was David Caruso. It's got David Caruso in it. So it's got two future Oscar winners and an Emmy winner. Yeah. I don't in know how that happened. Huge piece of shit movie. Because yeah. usually when people make movies, when they brought back the old stars to do movies like this, it was the end of their career. Yeah. This is this was like this is what you do at the end of your decline. You make yeah. a shitty movie like this and then you die of shame. Well, at least they got it out of the way. Yeah. It felt like they got it out of the way. 
and then went on to make like Batman and Edward and and NYPD Blue and all those other things. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Patrick. Oh, uh, that's I was gonna also say like this movie should have been called Sorry, Jack Palance. We we fucked up. <laughs> Wait, I did have alternate titles for it. Hold on. I wrote them down when it was over. Um, um, Coot versus Coot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Really, there's almost no alien in this. That's true. Coot. Or, based on the end of it, Back to the Shack. I, <laughs> because that's all every, that's all the, the whole movie was about going back to the shack. They go, go to the shack, the shack, they leave the shack, and then they go back to the shack. So it would be Back to the Shack, and then the sequel would be Back to the Shack. Breaking. Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Okay, so Kelly, since we've already ripped the movie to shreds, um, can you give me a basic plot summary of what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, so these are kids, in, and I appreciate the bikinis at least for like the 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 you know thirteen or fourteen seconds that they were around. Mm -hmm. uh, well, first of all, there's the there's a, a dad and his like uh, hippy dippy son, mm -hmm. adult son, hunting. I wanted to touch on this. Hippy dippy son with a porn stash and a seventies Hawaiian shirt. And a porn yeah, porn shirt. I mean he's really just uh, you know He's he, in the wrong movie. Right. He stumbled into this accidentally. Yeah, he but, was he was napping off that, you know, the night of porn that him and his dad filmed in that Winnebago. Yeah. Because why else would you go to that shit? I'm sorry, that whole area they were in was shit. Never mind. We'll come back to that. Please continue. But uh I that, there's sort of the intro kill where the uh, the little flying mini pizzas of death. Oh my god! I can't believe you just called them. That's exactly what I call them. <laughs> That's what they look like. That's exactly what I call them. I wrote down fly, flying killer hairy pizzas. Yeah, little mini pizzas. When they're when they're swirling, that's what it looks like. And then Bradford and I had an argument because he said they look like pancakes, and I said, you know what? Why can't they do? But they also look like pizza because that hair on the top makes it look like topping. So yeah. I then I amended it to be flying killer hairy pizza pancakes. Yeah, pizza pancakes work. From space. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you called pizzas too. Why? Let me ask you this: in the seventies <laughs> or eighties. Did macho dads really want to murder their, like, hippy-dippy sons? Like, I understand maybe, like, that, like, World War II vet dad is, like, disappointed maybe. But, like, uh, he's like, I'm going to shoot something. There was a theme, now that I watch this as an adult, there was, because I also knew where it was going, that, you know, there was a theme about hunting and guns and peace and pacifism that was back and forth. Yeah. Throughout, and that was just the first touch of it. Well, all right, so... And neither one was right. No, everything was wrong. So, Dad and the son, they're killed by flying mini pizzas. Then enter the... What are you the talking about flying mini pizzas? What does that mean? The mini pizza monsters, like, latched onto the dad and killed him. And then the son, too, right? I mean, I, I assume. We didn't see it. Yes, well, I just don't know what you mean. I'm trying to help my listeners through here. Oh, you'd like me to describe them in detail? Yeah, just a little bit. So let's say you're standing in the woods and uh, something comes spinning out of the sky at you and it looks like a pizza with <laughs> with teeth on it and it kind of looks it kind of looks like on the top it's like a an overgrown like a giant virus mm -hmm. maybe uh from the side it's a pizza from the top it's it's a, a a virus through a microscope and it, it attaches to you and it's got teeth and it, it burrows into you and secretes green 
and uh, it's it spins and it makes a little sound. That's about the best as I can. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. It's like a big flying tick. It lands on you, and these things come out of the side and just like start burrowing into you. And on the bottom of it are little teeth that are going nash, 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 nash. They're actually pretty gross. To be fair, I thought the creature design was cool. Yeah, like what it was. Yeah, for for the low budget thing that it was, it was and the time and the practicality of it, it was pretty cool. So yeah, so these two people, I don't know why, I don't know where this, where they shot this. Clearly, it was California during the drought season. Yeah, it looked because they're talking looked, about the woods and the wildlife, and I'm just going, it's just a shithole. It's this it barren so brown yeah. shithole, and the kids are like, we're going to the lake. They got there, and Bradford goes, that's not a lake. That is some kind of toxic swamp puddle. That's what that is. <laughs> that is what it was. It definitely, it looked like like outside of any kind of like coal mining plant or what anything like there's always woods but they're not pretty like you can imagine that oh like out of the range of the cameras there's like a great big like uh landfill mm-hmm. it was very landfillish. it was it just it, i didn't understand why anybody would want to be going on a vacation there right no it was terrible i mean clearly those guys at the beginning the dad and his father were there cooking meth and doing porn which is the only reason to be out there yeah it is the only reason to be out there it's i mean they Ooh, it was gross. It just looked gross. Yes. Like, there were no leaves. Like, everything was dry. Uh-huh. Everything was bone dry. And, like... I'm thinking, what are they hunting? What are you hunting? There are no what birds. here? There's yeah, nothing like, here. <laughs> they're just, uh... Oh, I don't know. It was, it was terrible. terrible. Yeah, but so they get killed, and now we're introduced to the happy-go-lucky teenagers who are on their way to the camp. Or to go camping at the lake, or the toxic swamp puddle, or whatever you want to call it. And... As Kelly quickly pointed out to me today, he goes, that's David Caruso. It was David Caruso. Yeah, David Caruso was one of the happy-go-lucky teenagers. And the thing that was what I was doubly surprised about, that not only was David Caruso in this movie, was how young he was and how freaking blindingly white that little redhead's legs were. Oh, my goodness. He and was why skinny. they chose to put him in the shortest shorty short shorts. It was the time. I know it was the time, but he's got the whitest legs, so let's put him in the shortest shorts so that, you know, I don't know, he throws off the white balance of the camera every time he comes on screen. He's a strange choice, uh, I will say. Like, he didn't, like, scream like hot young dude to me. He was kind of like a scrawny Boston guy. Well, then again, the other guy wasn't much better either. The other guy was kind of like the poor man's Matthew Starr. Yeah, yeah. So they all, so they're going to go down to the landfill for a little, like, uh, (laughs) You know, touch and rub in the lake of uh-huh. Sludge Lake, and uh, and while they're busy, uh, you know, doing the Humpty Dance, uh, David Caruso's legs and the girl who almost gets topless but never does. Nope. Uh, I guess they get spirited away and discovered later, dead. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, not much else happens. No, no. I was just going to give you the basics. Uh, I was looking for the basic plot, but this is fine too. Like basically, there's some alien. That's turned this shithole into a hunting ground. Yeah. Of his own. It's a little like Predator. But it seems like it's been going on for a while, but yeah. like not enough for anybody to like really like make a big issue out of. Well, why would they? Because there's nobody fucking there. Yeah, I guess. The only people, the only people that are there are, are other old coots. It's like the it, senior community. It is. Well, I thought <laughs> – I wasn't sure. For, for a while, I was going back and forth. I was like, is this going to be kind of okay or – Am I going to hate this? And like up to the point there's when they when they get to this country bar uh, and they go in, I thought for a second 
I was like, oh, it's going to be like Feast. Showdown. Yeah. It's going to be the siege. I was ready. And then it didn't happen. And it just. I knew it wasn't going to happen. But when I got there, I said, you know what? This is exactly what they set up, and this is what it should have been. Yeah. Because, you know, they get there, there's like, oh, oh, okay, you know, we're way ahead of ourselves. But, um, where were we? Uh, oh, I'm just looking at my notes. I took notes just to be obnoxious. But (laughs) (laughs) they have the prerequisite stop at a gas station, at the creepy gas station. Right. That is necessary in all horror movies where people are going on vacation. They actually did it twice because they had the bathroom. With Martin Landau being creepy yes. coot. Creepy yes. coot number one. And then they went to the gas station. I love that whole conversation <laughs> with her. Because the girl can't go. They, for some reason, she can't get into the ladies' room. It's locked. So she uses the men's room and runs into Martin Landau, who's coming out of the stall. And he's all like, well, what are you doing in here? And then they have like a 10-minute conversation. <laughs> right. In the men's room. And I'm like, are you going? Who's going to the bathroom? Nobody ended up going to the bathroom. And Nobody- she was- <laughs> And she wasn't the one who had to go to the bathroom. It was the other one. <laughs> and they weren't like – I don't think they were like freaked out enough. Like I'm a big guy, but if I ran into Martin Landau in a bathroom like, and there was cryptic shit written on the walls, I'd be a little bit more like got to go. Well, that's Sorry. too is that she came back. She's like, oh my god. I just ran into this carbal old man in the, in the restroom. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. my God, let's go beat him up. I'm like, he was in the men's room. He was where he was supposed to be. You were not where you were supposed to be. And the other thing I wrote down about this girl when she was walking around in her bikini, I wrote yeah. this down and I thought of Freddie. When I wrote it, I wrote down Mons Pubis. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yes. she was showing some serious Mons Pubis. There, it was happening. It was right there. Bottom. Yeah, so yeah. she's on this first date with the guy who looks like, you know, poor man Peter Barton from Friday the 13th Part 4. And, oh, God, it's just, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, hold on. Oh. We forgot, I forgot. In the midst of all this, we get a scout troop trip. A scout troop trip. Did you recognize the guy who led it? He seemed familiar. He was like the, he was, uh, he was seemed um, developmentally disabled. Yeah, that is Larry Wilcox. No, not Larry Wilcox. I forgot his name already. Hold on. Oh, Larry Storch. Larry Storch used to be on F Troop. Okay. Yeah. And he also used to be on You know that cartoon, The Real Ghostbusters? Oh, do I do I know the real Ghostbusters? I know, Kelly. He was actually on the actual Ghostbusters that the seventies kids show. Oh, the which weird was live thing. action. He was yeah. the guy in the Hawaiian shirt, not the guy in the in the gorilla suit. Right. Okay. The other Ghostbusters. Yeah, and apparently was a huge alcoholic, and when he wound up in a piece of shit like this, actually everybody in this has a huge, 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 huge list of credits. All those old coots. Yeah. Every single one of them has massive careers, and they wound up in this. That's weird. Yeah. But, but they oh, all. Yeah. Worked, I noticed they all worked on Gunsmoke and Bonanza, so I'm wondering if the director. <laughs> was the son of somebody who was on Gunsmoke and or Bonanza. But again, I'm ahead of myself. He's the head of this <laughs> scout troop trip. And you're right. He does seem developmentally, dis- uh, developmentally disabled because these kids, like, were going to die anyway. <laughs> if they're following him. I wrote down wacky bean humor, and I don't know what that means. Well, he, <laughs> for some reason, it was supposed to be hilarious that the the Guapo tribe of Native Americans. Oh, the Guapos! Yes, <laughs> yeah, the handsomest, the handsomest Indians in the land. Uh, grew oh, yeah, beans. Yeah, they were raising beans. Great Indian tribe called the Guapo lived, hunted, 
roamed in these tribes. They were like the Apache or the Iroquois or the Chippewa. Did they kill Custer? No. No, the, the Guapo were famous for raising beans. They were a, a bean-raising tribe. <laughs> and that is, for some reason, just... The kid that was supposed to be like a funny thing. Uh huh. He seemed to be making this shit up as he went along too, because he's talking to the kids. He's like, "All right, now break up on this nature trip in the middle of fucking nowhere." And this shit. He's like, oh, "We're gonna break up, and you go find a stick or a rock." Yeah. He to said, bring it home to mommy as a, as a gift. Thanks for the sticks, shithead. Without leaving this trail, I want you to pick up a rock or a branch and bring it home to mom and dad as a memento of our trip. No rattlesnakes though, because rattlesnakes. Carry germs. All right, men, dismissed. He said, "Don't grab any rattlesnakes because they have germs." That's what I said. The lesson of this 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 movie was: I learned something. I learned that rattlesnakes uh, rattlesnakes carry germs, and that's why they're dangerous. That's the most important uh, lesson that that the movie had to offer. Indeed. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay, so they go to this wampon, and actually, the blonde girl who doesn't get topless, but apparently yeah. got topless in everything else that she was in. Of course, including humanoids from the deep. Oh, is she in that? Okay, I've seen she's her. In that, I've seen she's, her topless. Then I know, and she's even topless hanging up in the shack. But again, ahead of myself, <laughs> they have the her and David Caruso have the little sexy rendezvous that we don't see in the lake. The other two go off for a walk, and now they're out of the lake. Uh, this blonde girl and David Caruso, and she's all ready to get it on on the shore, and she goes, "Oh, baby, why are you putting your shirt back on?" And I said, "He put his shirt back on because, as I said earlier, his." pasty white body was throwing off the white balance from the camera absolutely uh-huh i didn't even see him at first <laughs> i was like i was like that is a pair of shorts walking by itself <laughs> this is not a this is a ghost movie Woo. Woo. and unfortunately it's the last you see of them i saw i in my head i remembered the whole stalking of the teenagers going on at the beginning going on for quite some time yeah and it doesn't nope you don't even see it yeah it's uh as the other two come back from their walk and find a crumpled sheet. <laughs> they sure do. And and uh, and they, they they go to bother them while they're you know, they're go, they're going to the van to see if they're in there. And they're like, Hey, we're back. Like they're interrupting what they think is, is sex, which I feel is very rude of them. Uh-huh. They're being rude. Yeah, we're done with our walk. Meh. Right? Fuck you. But they're not there anyway. Fuck you and your mom's pubis. They're dead. No, because they're off hanging in the love shack. Yeah, they're dead. Tin roof, rusted. I don't know why I decided that that place was the love shack. I just did. Perfect. Because it was, you know, they find, they're looking for them, and they eventually come across this shack, and literally it's a shack in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and there's glitter on the front porch. There's nothing, and glitter on the highway that left to it. Yeah. It's really true, and everybody was moving around and around and around and around. So it's a perfect name. You did right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it turns out everything was happening at that love shack because, as I said, the movie should have been called Back to the Shack because once they find the shack, they can't get away from the shack. What kind of low-rent space alien? Like, where did, where, where did the alien spend most of its time? Did it live in that shack? I don't know. I'm like, did it not? Because they decide later on that this is where it's keeping its game or its food or its trophies or whatever because it changes whatever it wants uh, when they decide whatever it wants. And he said, why doesn't it have like a freezer on the spaceship that well, yeah. it came in? 
I feel like it's like a homeless alien. It doesn't have a spaceship. <laughs> like it was left there because it couldn't pay its rent. That's right. It got kicked out of the spaceship for farting too much. Did you like how casually at the end it was slinging the the pizza monsters? It was at, really, really limp wristed throwing. It was like it, it, it was, was. It was frisbee golf, man. It was just like it was, it, frisbee golf. It was frisbee golf. Yeah. That is totally right. Because you think, you know, well, we're again ahead of ourselves. Um, because, you know, they find the love shack. There's dead bodies in the shack. Ah, oh, we have to run. Ah, oh, we have to fall down a lot. Ah, ah. I didn't know. I did like that. The, the, the effects of the dead bodies were gross. No, they were. That was, there were, so, there were little moments in here where you're like, somebody was competent. Someone yeah. was doing their job. Added, added to the fact that everything oozed pus. Yeah. Including the, the little flying pizza things. So I decided this time, because initially I was like, when, when I saw the first attack as an adult, I'm going, how are they killing? Yeah. Because they'll get one or two of them on them and the person dies in 30 seconds. So I decided now they were toxic. Yeah, sure. Is that, that when I was a kid, I thought they were getting their blood sucked out. But yeah, so they run and 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 they run. They fall, they run, they fall. Now night falls and now we don't just have killer flying uh, hairy pizza pancake monsters pancake. no yeah. now we have flying dayglow hairy killer pizza pancakes yeah they put the glow sticks on them on the just around the rim because they're badass <laughs> so right so you can see them because <laughs> that's what you want you want to yeah. be able to see that thing that's flying at you it doesn't really make sense at all but yeah um they wind up at that bar that you talked about it's some country ass bar full of more coots yeah it's like the the rejects from mel's diner uh, they could like like they can't afford Mel's Diner, so it's just like this weird little. Hey, but you got Aggie instead. Yeah. Aggie, Aggie was badass. Aggie was working her perm. She was man, and her name was Aggie. And apparently later on, she went in. She was she again was in everything, but she went on to be in um, not only Zapped, starring Scott Baio. That makes sense. But the sequel, Zapped again. And UHF. This movie was full of people who I'm sure, like you said, they're all on, but this was just everyone that was in everything in the late 60s, 70s, and early 80s. Yeah, they had downtime from whatever, like, shitty, you know, Love Boat yeah, Mar- special they were working on. Marcus Welby, MD, Manix, anything you could think of. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, yeah, this is where it's the a living. Mo- yeah, it's a living. <laughs> We got it made, all that stuff. Yeah, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and this you're right. This is where the movie dies. It's, it stops right there. It dies is horrible death. Yeah, because in all this, you you know Martin Landau like, is this creepy old guy who's like a, a veteran who thinks he's still at war. Yeah, he knows about the aliens, but of course nobody believes him because he's he's weird. Jack Palance is the guy who runs the gas station. He's a big hunter. Yeah. So he's hunting the alien. The other guy is trying to alert people but he's crazy and also just is also crazy and then starts killing trying to kill people and he shot the sheriff yeah didn't shoot the deputy did not shoot the deputy but you're right while he's there you know if the poor kid gets there he's like he's really going for an oscar here too my friends <laughs> are dead what 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 did <laughs> you talk about kid my friend are dead He's like, what are you ta- but then, calm down, son. Calm down. Calm down. 
call the police. Like, well, we can't just call the police. We have to hear your entire backstory. <laughs> Nobody's They're arguing ex- about calling the police. We can't go bothering the sheriff with your dead friends. Oh, hi, hi, son. Come on in. Take any seat in the joint. Our friends are dead. Uh, well, what happened? They've been murdered. Uh, well, c- come on in. S- sit down now. Take it easy. Relax. Give the kid a beer, Aggie. No, no, I need help. I need some help. My friends, my friends are dead. Please, lady, call the police. Now calm down, son. Calm down. You got to tell us a little more before we call in the sheriff. Please, lady, come on. Call the police. All right, I will. Uh, just start from the start. Tell me what happened, and I'll call the police. They don't even like. They don't even raise an eyebrow. They're just like, this happens, you know, two, three times a week. People come in and say people are dead. Yes. They almost never are. Yes. So we're not calling the cops this time. No. Until you convince us. No. But now shit, shit starts to go down. The alien is there. The girl sees him and runs away. So we know the alien's there. We, we saw his creepy shadow. Yep. The lights get turned out. People start to panic. Sarge goes crazy. People are getting shot. And you're right. It now feels like here's the siege. Yeah. There's going to be flying pizzas at the window. Like all the alien tribe is going to show up. But it doesn't happen. And we're there forever. Yeah, I wish it would have happened. That would have been great. I would have liked it. Yeah, because up until then, I was having a fun, nostalgic time. And right about here is when I kept turning to to Alien. Sorry, I'm reading all my notes. But I kept turning to Bradford going, I'm bored now. Yeah. I'm bored. That's just just it. I felt like I'd never seen it, but like I I liked movies like this as a kid. So, I mean, I definitely – there was a, a feeling of like, oh, yeah, this is familiar. I enjoy this kind of thing. Um, but then it went nowhere and I stopped enjoying it immediately. Yeah, after and then that. it turned into, like I said, back to the shack. We go to the shack. We leave the shack. We go back to the shack with somebody like, else. They go like, to that house. <laughs> I like when they get to the house and the girl says she's going to get dressed. Uh-huh. And for her, dressed is a shirt, no bottoms. Yes, with yes, with her mom's pubis again hanging out. Yeah, that's dressed. She's like, I'm going to get dressed. And he okay. turns away. And uh-huh. then she comes out with no pants on. <laughs> that was a 70s thing, though. My sister used to do I mean, it's kind of hot, but like... My sister used to do that. When she was dating somebody, she would wear the tops of his pajamas and he'd wear the bottoms or some stupid shit like that. Yeah. She, well, this girl had no bottoms. <laughs> she, she had nothing. <laughs> so, like, I don't well, know why... She, she was proud of that mom's pubis. You know, we've already seen it. We've, so, seen, we've seen it pressing against those tight bikini bottoms. Yeah. Molded, molded, in, molded in lycra. And this is what I really started to get against once we left the chef once we, the, once we left the uh the bar I really started to get annoyed with her boyfriend. Yeah. He t- all of a sudden decides he's a hero and after this point everything is his fault. Oh yeah. Because like no, I have to avenge my friends. In this yeah, was, really high voice, he had this really high voice for a hero character. Not that there's like anything he, wrong with a high voice. No. But he was a horrible actor like I said was going for the Oscar with every line. And had this high voice and just was saying stupid things and saying them a lot. He was very – he was a very weak, weak-mouthed hero. Yeah. And like they're wandering around this house and scenes that could have been mildly suspenseful like when they're hearing noises at the door. Yeah. 
Instead, it would be like making little jokes. Like, oh, no, you go first. Ah, and then it right? Would. Why are they laughing? I thought that too. Like You're diffusing the tension <laughs> that you're setting up. And they're like, oh, we're in this abandoned house. No one's lived there for a long time. I'm like, where'd the cat come from? Right. He's like, oh, I found the light. <laughs> My friends are dead. Oh, so mercifully at this point, he's killed. She yeah. goes to sleep for literally 30 seconds and um, wakes up and he's got a big sucker on his face. Yeah. When I saw this as a kid, I was heartbroken. I'm like, heartbroken. I'm like, oh, no. Heartbroken. I'm sorry. No, I thought, you know, he was going to survive. And this is, oh, they were going to have a romantic and they were, were going to get married. Oh, no, 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 no. But now I'm just like, could not die fast enough. Could yep. not die fast enough. So now we have more running through the woods. Yep, Mom's pubis is running. <laughs> and... When you say it like that, it sounds like Mom's pubis, and that's a whole other movie that I don't want to see. <laughs> Mom's pubis too. <laughs> Back to the Mom, shack. Mom, Mom's pubis at Mel's diner. Right. <laughs> but now she gets like confronted with both Martin Landau and – uh, Jack Palance, and it's like the old Coop showdown. Yeah, there should have been like a. I feel like that should have been a musical number. Yeah, where like they should the two Coots should have like had their arms around each other and like a little kick line. Uh, anything you can shoot, I can shoot better. I yeah. can shoot anything better than you. Yeah, and because really this movie was more about this tension between Jack Palance and Martin Landau than anything else. Like this alien is completely incidental. Yeah, ninety percent of the movie. If it was about anything, that's what it was about, sure. And I didn't care. There's no reason to care. Well, they weren't, like, in each other. Like, it just, everything was weak. Like, they, nothing, like, there was too much, like, everything was diluted. Well, it was all the macho posing. Yeah. Which is what, but the thing is, they, they are chewing the scenery individually, but the script is giving them nothing to do. Because I'm watching it this time, going, you know, they are doing their best. I always feel like Jack Palance just has so much trouble getting words out. I think it's those cheekbones yes. are just so they're so rigid yes. <laughs> that he just can't move. He's like, I can't move my mouth. And this is the part also I started to get really pissed off at the alien too. Because there's a – I think it's still when, when Martin – before they go to the house because I don't know. Like Martin Landau has them. The three of them are standing there arguing about whatever, going to the shack again. They don't get to the shack because Martin Landau gets hit. Yeah. With a pizza. It's like a cream pie, but not. It's, if it was a cream pie, it would be hilarious. It was a killer cream pie. But no, it's Pizza, a pizza. Pizza's up. <laughs> you want one with anchovies? Makeup. Yeah, so he gets hit with that. And I'm going, this alien sucks. Because then they stand there and argue for whatever, what to do with him. Oh, we got to help him. No, let's stand here. No, let's leave. But the alien doesn't throw anything else. He had three targets. He threw one pizza. Yeah. He I'm was a, I don't know how many pizzas he has. Maybe he's reserving them. You got to reserve your pizzas. You know the weekend's coming up. He, he he doesn't want to be caught at his party with with not enough pizzas for everybody. Uh-huh. I was also at this point I also made a note that Greg's voice is higher than Sandy's. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they kept talking about the alien, the alien. You, you don't see the alien. For the longest time, and I'm like, wouldn't it be great if it turned out to be Roger from American Dad? It would be great. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> hey, he was a lazy-ass alien. <laughs> he just stood and waited for them to come to him. 
He's like, yeah. I'm just going to hang out here for a while. Yeah, well, I'm going to toss did. these at you. You see his face for literally about eight seconds. Yeah. He and looks like Grant, a Star Trek alien. He does look like a Star Trek alien. Although the first time you see him, it is pretty scary. Sure, yeah. It was in the basement and the, the light was doing the psycho thing. Yeah. You know, it was swinging and she had just found the dead guy. And then he's just, and he seemed frightened as well because he's like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, the camera. Ah. Everyone so that was, was fairly scary, but then when he shows up at the at the big final battle, initially he's scary just because he kind of appears by the side of the love shack. It was a cool shot. And like just, when when yeah. you see him just standing there, you're like, that's spooky. But then that's all he does. Yeah, because it's from a distance. But even from a distance, it's just the shack and you know the field around, and you just see a figure standing there. But you can see even from really far away that there's something very wrong. Right. With he looked figure. way spookier from far away. Yeah, and because he's not moving, but then he doesn't move for the rest of the movie. No, when they get close, he still doesn't move. And it's move. like another 20 minutes. It's a long ending it's thing. It's a long ending. It's a really fucking long ending. Just waiting for Mon's pubis to blow up the shack. <laughs> oh, good Christ. Well, yes, because um, Martin uh, Jack Palance has gone and loaded the shack with dynamite in, in preparation for this. And I realized I had this thought. I'm like, he probably would have had done a lot better job had he loaded the shack with black dynamite. Dynamite! Dynamite! Oh, Zawo. Dynamite! Dynamite! <laughs> or Dolomite. Or Dolomite. <laughs> or Jimmy, oh, Jimmy J.J. Walker. That would have been great too. Yeah, right? Dynamite! It should be just the alien would be like, fuck it, I'm out of here. This just got weird. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and the, uh, that really weird. And when Martin Landau finally dies, what a weird, weird end to a major character. Yeah, I think they wanted it to be sad. Alien! <laughs> when he runs at him? That was Alien! Jack, that was Jack Palance. I'm sorry, that was Jack Palance. But right. Martin Landau's going up to him, and I forget what he was saying. I don't know. Like, I was thinking, blah, blah, blah. And he's got the gun on him. And, when he, <laughs> and he's just trying yeah, to get Jack Palance just runs up the young alien. He's trying to get all up in the alien's face and like have this closing monologue. And like you said, the alien throws the cream, throws some pizzas at him. But if he had done it with any panache or aggravation, it might have been effective. But literally, he's just like, eh. Yeah, he just tosses them. I wish people could – like you should watch this movie just to see how just casually and just like nonchalantly – the alien, like in the what? It's like he's taking them out of his other hand, uh-huh. like he's holding a pile of like tea cozies and just killer tea cozies. And just eh, there you go, hey, everybody. Well, of course, this guy's been talking at him for like twenty minutes, and I'm sure the alien doesn't speak English, and he's just like, I, 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 I okay, I don't know, I don't have any change. Right. I, I okay, I, okay, okay. You know what? I don't. Fuck it. I don't. Where's my pizza? Pizza, pizza. Ew. Get away from me. Ew. Pizza. Ew. <laughs> Yeah, when Martin Landau is like clinging to you, sometimes and you even just then it. doesn't move. But now it's no. a whole thing about trying to get it close enough to the shack to blow for so the stupid monsters can blow up the shack. It was a lazy and a dumb alien because he's yelling to her, and it just looks over its shoulder like it knows something's wrong. But it's like too, it's too sleepy. It's dep- It's got. It's depressed. And it's like, well, why didn't we didn't build motion into this costume? Right. Yeah, so we have to keep him still because he doesn't have any legs. So we're just going to stand here, and then eventually Jack Palance just cannot take anymore. He just charges the motherfucker. <laughs> going, alien! 
Did you notice that the alien? alien! <laughs> did you notice that he was wearing like uh, Miriam Rushnitz's afghan? He over- he was he was he was wearing a lovely caftan. <laughs> yeah, what was? Well, you know, he's maybe he was Roger. He's, he's, he's hunting. He's got to be comfortable. Yeah, you know. He has to live in that shack. You know, I don't know why, you know, where he, he declared it. There's no closet in there for him to store his wardrobe, unless that was his house. They were at, he's pissed off that he's wearing that, you know, Mons Pupus is wearing his shirt now. Yeah. She's got his shirt and nothing else. Gross. He's thinking. (laughs) I don't even want to waste one of my pizzas on her because she's wearing my shirt. She's getting her, her Mons juice all over it. I don't need to put holes in my nice shirt. That's how she survived. Thank you for just being gross. <laughs> and wearing his shirt. I don't know if you got – did you get the magic garden where you were when you were a kid? Uh, I, don't rem- I don't recall it. Yeah, I know. It was a regional show, but it was, it was these two hippie girls, and it was a great show. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, we didn't get it, but I have seen it. The two girls like singing guitars on the, yeah. the yeah, swing yeah, yeah. set. She reminded me of both of them put together. She kind of gave me – I got like a young Laura San Giacomo vibe from her. Okay. Yeah, there was that too. Like if Laura San Giacomo took a lot of quaaludes. Yeah. So that she wasn't interesting at all and you know, didn't trim her pubes. for. It was the hair and the lips. Yeah. Well, of course, the Magic Garden thing was for the hair too. Yeah. Like, oh, she's wearing braids and she's wearing plaid. That's the Magic Garden. Yeah. But yeah, okay. That's, that's, so that was the movie. And then the check blows up and then it's over. And it's one of those early 80s movies where they don't bother – with any uh, denouement? No. No, no wind down, nothing. Like, okay, we had the finale and we're out. Credits. Credits roll. Love theme from Without Warning. Yeah. It needed a love theme. It would have Or at least a car washing montage or something. Something funky. Something. Old coot. <laughs> Old coot line dance number. I don't know. Roll derby. I was really disappointed. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was not uh, great or good. Yeah, th- for the most part, whenever – for this particular segment, you know, because I just realized as we're doing this, this would fit into a segment that I do that I haven't done in a long time. And I'm trying to remember – oh, The Nightmare Closet. Yeah. Where I revisit something that I wa- loved as a kid or scared the hell I made as a kid and watch it for the first time as an adult. And this is the first thing that disappointed the living shit out of me. Oh, it, that's – I'm sorry about that, man. I'm sorry. Hey, but I just said remake, sorry. remake, movie maker friends, get on this. There, are, you know what? There is like a there is a like a nugget of a maybe kind of cool story in there. I like aliens in the woods. Uh huh. I like that idea. Well, like actually, the guy who played the alien went on to be one of the predator stunt people. Of course he did. Of course he did. But the thing is, this movie is kind of like a low, really low budget version of Predator. A really lazy predator. That is the. That is whatever. Predator. Yeah. yeah, I'll get you. Maybe. Predator. Whatever. That's good. Yeah, because clearly he's not that hungry. He's not really fussy about his trophies because he took some ugly old men, Larry Stewart. (laughs) And he hit. And he hit. And he hit porn stash guy right in the face, right in the porn stash. So he he took it out. Hang. You can't hang that on your wall now. That's his best attribute. Oh, you might as well just uh, keep the shirt. Keep the shirt and chuck the. That would have been great if the alien was wearing that shirt at the end. It, any anything would have been an improvement, but yeah. but nothing improved it. It was it was bad. I mean, like, just 
just boring bad. <laughs> every day, Kelly. It was on every day. <laughs> you want to know something um, interesting? Yes. Uh, and me and Freddie uh, from Night of the Living podcast I've heard talk about. Yeah, is you may you may or may not have have heard his voice before. I think I we, had him inside me once, but that's another story. Well, okay. We uh we were talking about how amongst the podcast community, sometimes a bunch of shows will do the same movie around the same time without having you know discussed it or anything. Yeah, the, and, the podcast weird osmosis thing that we have. Yeah, and uh, Tracy Morris, who has a pod, I don't know if she talked about it on a podcast or wrote about it on a blog, but she apparently. Just talked about without warning. Oh wow! Because I was telling Freddie about it earlier today. Uh, that that that's what we were gonna do, but I couldn't remember the name of the movie. Uh, <laughs> I said I saw the trailer. There were discs uh, that attached to people, and he's like, "Oh, that sounds like what uh, this lady was talking about." And uh, he was like, "Is it called Without Warning?" And then I went to your message, fourth wall, breaking the fourth wall there. Yeah. And I was like, "Yes, that is it. That is it indeed." So it's weird. AKA, it came without warning. It did. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It tended to give a lot of warning. I would have liked some warning. It made a lot of noise, that thing. It made a lot of noise. <laughs> there, were, Did you know, it was, seemed like it was it, omnipresent the entire time. Yeah. Like, and I don't feel like there was ever a time where I didn't hear... And, or, and the pizzas made a lot of noise. You can hear them coming. They were fucking loud. Making rat noises. I'm like, that's rat noises. You showed rats earlier in the movie, and that's... Oh, why, were they, why did they think the rats were cute? I... <laughs> I was like, gross. And they're like, they, weren't in a cage. they weren't in a cage or anything. They were not pet rats. They were just rats. I was like, she's like, yep. aren't they cute? I was like, those are rats. Okay, this what is the same doing? stupid girl that when they pulled up to the toxic lake swamp, goes, oh my God, it's sensational. Those are rats. She must live in a, she probably lives in a dumpster. Well, I guess they're a step up from the humanoids. From the uh, Well, yeah. And she didn't he, have to endure that. And she's also probably still blind from looking at David Caruso's. She could, she's just like, Distracting my white body. I actually wrote, that was a note I had at one point. There was some thing going on that was of some importance. Oh, when they were talking about the, the stealing, oh, the argument about the, the, but they're getting all up in Jack Palance's face for being a hunter early on in the movie. How do you justify killing little animals? They were very, they were very in his face. They were very in his face, unnecessarily in his face. I'm like, I'm going to kill you and your mom's pubis, but that's not the point. Because David Caruso stepped in at some point to say something important, and I have no idea what he said because those legs came into camera, and that was it. Your yeah. legs are not just white, redhead white legs. They are distractingly white legs. It was like he had, uh, like, uh, elephant tusks. <laughs> like, they were, like, ivory <laughs> <laughs> they're like made out of the moon if you like reflect like light on them it like shines back even brighter they were so shiny i felt like a magpie I'm like yeah. oh sparkly you hit your face on the screen like oh shit <laughs> it's not real <laughs> well maybe i should put some pictures of david caruso's legs up in the window to keep birds from flying into it i don't know i got nothing i got nothing i got nothing this movie was so boring i was so disappointed it was super dull. Because as soon as I remembered it, I'm like, oh my god, Kelly, we'll have so much fun with this movie. Then I'm watching it going, oh god, he's going to kick my ass. Well, no, I mean, like, here's the thing. I did see, I could, I absolutely saw what you saw as a kid. Like, I was like, this would have been fucking awesome. And now I didn't have it on, I didn't have HBO. This would have been shown on our local channel 19 heavily at, well, they probably wouldn't have even had to edit it. There's actually. no reason to edit it. There's no sex. There's no, <laughs> there's no swearing. So it was just showed up on channel 19 on a Saturday. It would have been afternoon. on an up all night thing. Yeah. On, it on USA. 
or on a Saturday afternoon, like after, uh, like after Church. the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm. then they would have shown. Which this. have been fitting since half these casts was probably in the good, the bad, and the ugly. They were the ugly. Oh, were... Zawo! <laughs> oh, Zawo! But uh, but as an adult, it was just like really dumb. Yep, yep, yep. Very disappointing. But you know what wasn't dull and boring? This conversation? No, this book that I read. Oh. Yeah. What I book was that? I think it was called These Lonely Places. I forget who that, wrote it. It's a good title. Yeah. I like that title. It's evocative. Yeah, it was all these short stories, and they were really scary. Oh, I love short stories. Yeah, come on, Kelly. You wrote it. You know That's, it. It's my book. It's totally your book, Kelly. I love this book. Thank you. You did an excellent job reading uh, Mrs. Lumley's Mask for episode 57, was it? Yeah, I want to redo it because I've taken a class on how to do an audiobook right now. Yeah? Yeah, I didn't do it right. It sounded good. It sounded good, but now I listen to it and I'm going, ah, oh, mistake, ah, should have done that, ah. So, yes, I would like to redo that at some point, but not this time, not, not, not in the next. I'll give you a rest. That's okay. I'll, uh, y- you want to do that story again? For or my just, own purpose, for my own purposes, just to see if I could do it better. Yeah, well, let me give you. I this it's slightly edited in the uh, in the book. Oh, is it? So it's a it's even better. Okay. It's even better. Okay. What's missing? Uh, just some of the some of the unnecessary words. Like the pl- everything is the same. Okay, but everything yeah, just, same. Just, just slim down and ready to party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It lost. It lost. It it got down to its uh. It got down to its booty shaking weight. Yes. So, uh, where uh, where can people find out more about you and your writey board things? Um, well, you can search these lonely places on Amazon, which is the it's easier than searching my name, which is RK Combrink, which is hard to remember how to spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but if you just search these lonely places, uh, you can get it on Amazon for Kindle or in print. If you prefer to hold your books in your hand physically and turn paper pages. Um, and also, if you're like me and you jumped on the Nook Wagon early. Nook before, Wagon! Yeah, you can also get it on Barnes & Noble. Okay. Dot com. That's where I got mine. And uh, and I'm all, I'm, on the, I'm all over the internet. I have to add you as a Nook Buddy then. Nook Buddy? Yeah, the, for like the library swap thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't... Yeah, I'm on. I have a. I have oh a, yeah, I don't know what that was. You sounded like somebody. <laughs> oh, you know who you sounded like for a second. He sounded like Chizak doing Don Knotts. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I was just looking at him through the bedroom window. Through the bedroom window. I can't do it like he can though. Nobody he's can good. do it like he can. But he's his Christopher Walken is pretty great too. Yes. Well, we're, are we talking about him? Not now. No, we no. We're doing a show. We're doing a fucking show. Yeah, he can. He have his own thing. Uh huh. But yeah, yeah so, so thing. Check out my book if you like it. You, I mean, you will like it. Yes, yeah, so there'll be a book. link in the show notes, and you know, here's, there's, there's a link in the the friend section of the webpage, and they can find you because it's a great, 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 seriously great read. Like I kept forgetting that somebody I knew wrote it. I thank you for that. It's a, uh, it was a la- it, th- those were all. Um, I, I I went through a, a period of, of being prolific in short stories, and uh, I was learning uh, to along the way. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I have another another period of that here in a little bit. I'm I'm working on a novel now, oh. which is a different kind of animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully, it's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like it's good so well, far. Well, did not to heap even more comp. Well, this is not a backhandly compliment. Not every story is blow your mind amazing. Well, it can't be. 
But no, but the thing is, there's not a dud in the bunch. No, Everyone, like, I'm like, that was pretty cool. Or even when it wasn't great, I'm like, that wasn't great, but getting there was fun. It's like Appetite for Destruction. There's no filler, but other, some stand out more than others. Yes, but you know, it made, those make the ones stand out. You're right, appeti- Appetizer's yeah. main course. Yes, absolutely. It made them pop. Yeah. Like a splash of color. So, Kelly, this movie, I hate to say, was a dud. Dud, thumbs down. However, this conversation with you... A plus. A plus. A fucking plus, bro. Oh, show. I enjoyed it. I'll I do this too. anytime. Okay, I would like that very much because you're a cool person. And uh, no. thanks for having me on, by the way. Oh, you're quite welcome. Mucho appreciado. I don't know why I haven't done it sooner. I guess I just am so awed by well, your awesomeness. There's a lot and, of you know, I, you know. And your God makes a really shitty secretary for you. He's always, he's always like, like, Mr. Combrink is busy right now. And I'm like, he's no, no, I'm a friend of his. It's like, he's not, you're not on the list. I'm going to talk to that guy. Thank you. I'm going to talk to that guy. Thank he's you. already on. He's had two verbal warnings. It's time for a written. Okay. <laughs> Moving up to a written warning. Maybe we should tell him with some kind of flaming plant. He, he, he likes that. That's how he speaks. Yeah, maybe okay, I Okay, I'm going to hang up the phone before the lightning comes. Kelly Combrink, thank you very much. You're welcome here on the Scream Queens Horror Podcast anytime. And let's. Do something fun next time. All right, let's do it. Okay, bye. Bye. One, two, three, and we're out. Thank you, Kelly. No problem, man. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. fun. I don't think it makes any sense at all, but it doesn't matter because you're awesome. Thanks. You're awesome, man. I need it as a movie, so there. Right. I didn't feel like we had to talk about it in order because it doesn't matter. Because nothing happened. Yeah. You can put it in any order. Yeah, because it, it was, doesn't really matter. I'm like, because, you know, it's like this, these people were standing around doing something stupid and boring, and then they went over here and did something stupid and boring. And, they, oh, by the way, there was an alien. No, there wasn't. There was no alien in that scene. And the alien did nothing. Right. Just shadow. Uh-huh. Shadow. Uh-huh. It's an intimidating shadow. It was an intimidating shadow. I was intimidated. Yeah, it was probably just some, you know, like, I don't know. It's probably just the boom guy. Probably wasn't <laughs> <even so. laughs> Probably just the boom. <laughs> All right. They're like, Ralph, we got your shadow again. I'll just leave it Lou. (laughs) God damn it, Lou. All right. Uh, Thank you very much, sir. Uh, It'll be on the next episode, and I am mucho grateful. I have to go eat because I'm getting weird. Cool, man. I will talk to you later. Okay. Tell Blair I said hi. I will. I'm done. And tell those other folks on your show I said hi. Will do, man.
I didn't quite like it with you here on Earth. I just can't wait to see you again. I just can't wait. wait, 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 wait. My Chad, that is the perils of modern technology, my poor little Boston superstar. And Chad, don't you remember you told me to love me, baby? You said you'd be coming back this way again, baby. That's two shows in a row with Karen Carver to music. That's really odd for a horror podcast. So, yeah, <laughs> the Blind Dead series, that was kind of a critical thing that was missing from your initial call, and I agree with everything you said. Um... I talked about the Blind Dead on here before. Actually, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was me talking about it on the 42nd Street for, uh, pod, uh, what is it? 42nd Street Drive-In Podcast. Uh, one of those times I had to miss an episode. But I have a lot of the same problems you have. Um, the thing that bothers me in every single movie, there is that scene, that flashback scene, where you have the Templars riding around on horses while some poor girl gets her top ripped off and terrified, terrorized for three minutes before getting stabbed. I find those scenes incredibly uncomfortable. And you're right, there is that weird rape thing, and I, I don't, I, I'm going to say it's cultural. Not that I'm saying that the Spanish are a bunch of rapists, but maybe Spanish, you know, undead Templar fighters from the 70s were... Um, rapists. Yeah, I got nothing. The third movie is astounding. It's astounding. I watched it by myself the first time and was just bored to tears. 
watching it with somebody else, it was a whole different movie. None of it makes a lick of sense. I'm like, okay, you put models on a boat to be fake marooned and get rescued as part of your publicity stunt for your boat store. And when other people find out about the publicity stunt, you have them kidnapped, beaten, and raped. And afterwards, the victim is like, eh. Very strange movie. Very, 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 very strange. Very stupid movie. And unfortunately, incredibly dull, though. Incredibly dull. It doesn't even, the concept doesn't make sense. Like, why are they on a boat now? Who cares? I, I really kind of wish they went further so they could be like, I don't know, the Blind Dead Roller Derby. Blind Dead Car Wash. At the car wash. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Blind Dead Car Wash. Yeah, I don't know. And Brad does this amazing impression of the Blind Dead that, you know, it, it's not a visual podcast, so you'll never see it unless you meet Mr. Brad. And even then, we'll probably forget to do it because we'll be drunk. Marble Hornets. Yes, I have heard of Mar- Marble Hornets. I'm about 20 episodes in. It was actually recommended to me by our loyal listener, the lovable, squeezable, Mr. DJ, who I think has called in later, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, he told me to watch it, and I like it too. I can only do it in little bits because it gives me a bit of a headache, but uh, the concept is solid, and I've gotten the willies quite a number of times watching it, and I'm eager to see how it all goes, and DJ said it gets better as it goes along as they start to get a budget and things like that. And you know what, Chad? I see that you called back, so I'm going to shut up and see what you else had to say. What you else had to... Oh, shut up. You know what I meant. God. Hey, guys, I can chat again. Sorry to call back. Um, I was just remembering, every time I've heard myself on your show... Yes. Is there a way you could use a voice modulator to sort of butch up my voice a little bit? Because when I do my highs and everything, they, 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 they make Yorkies start to bark. So um, just yeah. throw that out there. Okay. Oh, here's another one. Bye. Oh, Chad, come on now. If there was any place in the entire world where it is perfectly okay and actually preferred that you sound like a complete wussy Nelly, this is it. So no, I'm not using a uh, voice modulator on you. I don't know, use one on myself. And every time I open up my mouth, a pair of heels fall out. So there, so shut up, so deal with it. Embrace, embrace your inner swish, which is actually kind of an outer swish too, but I love you. I love you just the way you are. We've gone on from Karen Carpenter to Billy Joel. Barry, Barry Manilow is coming up next. I hope that's not true. You know what is coming up? Another voicemail. Awkward, awkward. Hey, Patrick. It's Kristen and Tom. Hello. We don't have the cute little, like, voiceover thing that Betty and Derwood have, so bear with us. If they're like the La Fontaine's, we're more like the Clampets. We live in a trailer, so it kind of works. <laughs> anyway, um, I just listened to the show, um, Catching Up, and I heard the CVS story, and I just had to call and tell you that it was hilarious. Oh, no. And that we're laughing with you, not at you, because we all have our stories. I have the tree of shame. Tom has the, you know, almost kill someone incident with a car. Uh-huh. So, you know, we all know we've all been there. Yeah, I threw a bag containing my loaded drawers oh, out God. the window, and it hit someone's windshield and blew no. up like he hit a baby made of mustard. No! 
spun around ah! in a 360 three times and almost like went off the guardrails. Oh my god! So I'm um, pretty sure he's out there, you know, serial killing fat people trying uh, to find me. But he might be listening right, right now. Make someone else's shit story funnier. That's later, gross. Man. All right, that's that's it for now. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Ah. Uh, okay. I love the fact that you called in and shared and empathized with me and, and, and all those other nice things. However, listeners, my beloved listeners, let's not make it a habit of calling in to relate your diarrhea stories because I don't think it's that kind of a show. <laughs> I think we've, we've reached our quota on listener diarrhea stories for now. The important words there, for now. <laughs> Because someday I am going to have to tell the story about Bradford and the baby diaper, but that's a whole other thing for another day. <laughs> We're already running really long, and the last thing we need is long runs. Running, long run, run, run. I got nothing. I got nothing. Thanks for calling. You're gross. You're gross, and I love you. Goodbye. Well, you know what, Kristen and Tom? I, I don't really know where else the show can possibly go after that particular phone call. So, yeah, when we're, when we're throwing around giant bags of feces into oncoming traffic, it is time to wrap this pussy up for another week. He's a cat. Flushing the toilet. He's a cat. Meow. Flushing the toilet. He's a cat. Flushing the toilet. He's a cat. Flushing the toilet. Yeah. I just did that. You stole my signature catchphrase. I stole your signature catchphrase. The hysteria continues. It's your move. Anyway, if you want to be like all these other super cool people who called in to make the show even better than it was going to be, please, by all means, pick up the phone and give me a call at 347-767-3509. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, and you can leave a review on iTunes. Because I'm going to start reading them out soon. On the next episode, I'm going to start reading listener reviews of the show on iTunes. Be they good, be they bad. But they better be good, or I'll be bad. Oh, snap. And I just realized that I'm not good in planning holiday shows. I don't know, maybe it's something about the two-week nature of the show. I completely forgot that this is going to be my St. Patrick's Day show. The Happy St. Me Day show. Has nothing, St. Patrick's Day-ish, about it at all. It's tragic, really. But you know what? You could still help me celebrate St. Patrick's Day by heading on over to www.screamqueens.com, clicking on the donate button, and giving a sizable or not-so-sizable gift to the show. Because, as you know, this whole thing runs on listener donations, and anything big or small is greatly appreciated. Although, you know... Bigger is always better, as they say in that off-Broadway show. Sater, you know what I'm talking about. So, for next time, I've actually gotten to sit down with the, with the extremely super talented and super handsome composer Dana Pirro to talk about Zombie Prom. I have an interview with Casey Criswolf from Bloody Good Horror talking about the crapshoot feature of next week, which is going to be a little movie called The Devil's Rock. And eventually I'm going to be doing a review of that Britney Snow movie. 
uh, I can't remember the name of it. You know the one, the one with the razor and the eyeball. You know what I'm talking about. Would you rather? Would you rather I review this movie or would you rather have some pie? I don't know. I got nothing. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! Gather round ye lads and lasses, set ye for a while And hearken to me mournful tale about the Emerald Isle Let's all raise our glasses high to friends and family gone And lift our voices in another Irish drinking song Consumption took me mother and me father got the pox Me brother drank the whiskey till he wound up in a box Me other brother in the troubles met with his demise Me sister has forever closed her smiling eyes now everybody's died, so until our tears are dried, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then go drinking once again. Kenny was killed in Kilkenny, and Claire, she died in Clare. Tip from Tipperary died out in the dead year. Shannon jumped into the river, Shannon back in June. Ernie fell into the urn, and Thomas in the tomb. Cleanliness is godliness, me Uncle Pat would sing. He broke his neck, a slipping on the bar of Irish ping. O'Grady, he was 80, though his bride was just a pup. He died upon the honeymoon when she got his Irish up. Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dried, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink it once again. Ba-da, 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 Joe Murphy fought with Riley near the cliffs of Old Denis. He took out his shillelagh and he stabbed him in the spleen. When crazy Uncle Mike thought he was a leprechaun, but in fact he's just a leopard and his arms and legs are gone. When Timmy Johnson broke his neck, it was a crying shame. He wasn't really Irish, but he went to Notre Dame. McNamara crossed the street and by a bus was he. But he was just a Scotsman, so nobody gave a shit. Oh. Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dried, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink it once again. Dun, 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 dun. Uncle Brendan tried to drive him from the bar The road rose up to meet him when he fell out of his car Irony was what befell me great-grand-uncle Sam He choked upon the very last potato in the land Connor lived in Ulster Town, he used to smuggle arms Until the British killed him and cut off his lucky charms And dear old father Flanagan, who left the Lord's employ Drunk on sacramental wine beneath the altar boy Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dried We'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up and then we'll drink it once again <laughs>
Someday soon I'll leave this world of pain and toil and sin. The Lord will take me by the hand to join all of me kin. Me only wish is when the Savior comes for me and you. He kills the cast of Riverdance and Michael Flatley too. Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dried, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink and once again. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up.